0: Hi, my name is Charlie, and I still play with cars. In episode three of the "Still Plays with Cars" podcast, we're going to be talking about that Bertone-designed spaceship. It floats on a cloud, and it has a button instead of a brake pedal. I'm, of course, speaking of the Citroen DS. The Citroen DS was debuted at the Paris Motor Show in 1955. At the time, most cars were running on manual drum brakes, steel suspension, and we're about as aerodynamic as your average barn. The Citroen DS contrasts this by having four-wheel independent suspension, power disc brakes, power steering, and has a body shape that makes new EVs envious. It was available with four different engine options, ranging from just under 2 litres to just over 2.3 litres. There were two transmission options off the bat, one was a 3-speed automatic or a 4-speed manual. Later cars were available with a 4-speed automatic and a 5-speed manual. With a 4-speed semi-automatic, where you would pre-select the gear you wanted let off the throttle and the car would shift itself using hydraulic pressure. The DS was available in three different body configurations, a convertible, a sedan, and a wagon. Early cars had headlights mounted on the front fenders, just a dual headlight setup. Later cars, coming in 1967 with a facelift, got a four headlight setup with Uh, glass covering the headlight. The interesting part about the four headlight setup is that the inner two headlights could steer or turn with the steering up to 80 degrees. So it uh, gained a reputation as the car that could see around corners. Super far ahead of its time. I think uh, maybe it was Lexus came out with steering headlights sometime in the late 90s and it was like this huge rage! Oh, look what we did! We made it so cars could see where they were going. Well, Citroen did that in 1967. Other areas where the Citroen was ahead of its time was in the suspension. The Citroen had a hydropneumatic suspension system in which hydraulic pressure was used to damp the suspension as well as raise, lower, and level the car. There was a pump, either. Uh, belt-powered or driven off the camshaft that would produce hydraulic pressure. The pressure was used for the steering and the brakes, as well as the suspension. So inside the engine compartment, there were two spheres uh, called accumulators. And then at each corner of the car, there were spheres uh, for the suspension. Um, These worked by... Uh, At the equator of the sphere, there is um, a rubber diaphragm. Above the diaphragm, there is nitrogen gas, and below is hydraulic oil. Um, So this works because you can compress a gas, but not a liquid. So the gas would work as the spring, and the oil would work as the shock absorber. It's pretty neat. And uh, was successful enough that uh, many car manufacturers actually ended up licensing it from Citroen, one of which, well I guess two of which, were Bentley and Rolls-Royce, and they used that system up until the early 2000s. The latest vehicle, I believe, if you'll permit me a little bit of speculation, will be the Rivian R1T and R1S. If you've watched the show uh, Long Way Up with uh, Ewan McGregor and Charlie Borman they ride electric motorcycles from the um, bottom of the Americas, so Argentina up to LA and they were uh, supported by a couple of Rivian prototype trucks. In one episode uh, one of the prototypes had some sort of brake failure, and it rolled backwards and uh, smashed into a rock. And uh, it uh, damaged the suspension component. And the that corner of the vehicle started to sag. There was oil all over the ground. And somebody came out from under the truck with something that looked suspiciously like a Citroen suspension sphere. So that's kind of exciting. Um, It's a really cool suspension setup, and I'll probably do a whole episode on it at some point because it's too complicated to get into um, while talking about just the car. The suspension was hardly the quirkiest quirk of the (laughs) Citroën DS. Uh, Inside, you had sofa-like seating uh, that you would sink into. As I mentioned before, it had a button instead of a brake pedal. I haven't driven one, so I don't know for sure, but I imagine it's something like driving something with air brakes, um, where there is constant pressure and you just have to open a valve a little bit to apply the brakes. Um, I've talked to people that have driven them and uh, watched numerous videos about the Citroen And from what I've gathered, it's that you just have to apply a slight amount of pressure to that button, and the brakes come on. And people have said that they're quite hard to modulate, and uh, I kind of um, equate that to driving something with air brakes, where there's a constant pressure, and you just open a valve a little bit to apply the brakes. The other interesting quirk inside the vehicle is that it has a single spoke steering so um obviously the steering wheel is completely round but there's a single spoke coming off at an angle and some say that it's uh, to represent uh half of the citron chevron but nobody really knows for sure but it's an interesting detail and it makes it so that you can see the gauges pretty much whatever steering angle you've got uh because there's nothing to block this the uh gauges with so that's interesting the um, rear view mirror is mounted low on the dash and there was an option for rear window shape that was like venetian blinds in your house really strange very very strange but we'll move back on to the outside of the vehicle so one of the benefits of this hydropneumatic suspension system was that it would raise itself that it it would raise the whole car. So next to the driver's seat, there's a lever and you could pull it up and push it down depending on what kind of ride height you want. So to raise the vehicle up, you would pull the lever up and it would raise the car to its its highest setting and then uh, it would lock that suspension out. So it was very stiff at the highest setting but couldn't fall down. So in order to change a tire, you didn't have a jack. What you had instead was a jack stand that was specific to the car. So you start the car, that's the first thing to, to changing the spare tire. You pull the handle to bring the car up to its highest setting, and you grab the jack stand, and whichever side the, t- the flat tire's on, you take the jack, Stand and uh, slide it into its spot about the midpoint of the car. You would then drop the the height adjustment handle all the way down, shut the car off, obviously set the parking brake, and the suspension would sink back down, but holding that side of the car up with the jack stand. If it was the front tire, simple enough. You pull the the uh, hubca- the wheel cover off and undo the lug nuts. At the back of the car, you might think, well, that's great, but how do you change the back wheel? Because the fender completely covers the rear wheel. Well, they thought of that. At the very back of the car, there are two bolts, one on each side, you would undo the bolt and the whole rear quarter pound will come off the car. They're made out of fiberglass, they're quite light. You just take them off, set them down, and then you've got access to the whole rear wheel. And then, again, obviously, pull the wheel cover off, undo the lug nuts, change the wheel. But the spare tire isn't in the trunk. Where is it? Well, you got to go to the front of the car for the spare tire. It's under the hood. So the spare tire sits on top of the transmission in the front of the car. The engine is behind it. So the DS is a front-wheel drive, mid-engine sedan. Why is it mid-engine? The entire engine is behind the front axle. All of it. Very very interesting design. It's also one of the first cars designed that uh, in an accident the engine will end up under the car instead of coming into the passenger compartment. The DS was produced from 1955 to 1975 when it was replaced by the SM. If you ever get a chance to ride in, or, if you're so lucky, to be able to drive a DS. Take that chance. I know I will. I hope you've enjoyed this look at the iconic Citroen DS. In the next episode of the Still Plays With Cars podcast, we're going to be talking about Jaguar. Think you'd regret buying one? Find out in the next episode. If you'd like to reach out, you can email me at stillplayswithcarspodcast at gmail.com.